All right. I'm gonna get my yaya notes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Should we all start with it? I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Frame Rate, the podcast where we rate frames. You can probably already guess. Well, you read the title of the episode. You so know what we're talking about. It's here. no divine secret that we're covering <laughs> uh, Beetlejuice on this. No. Yeah. <laughs> Mixing up our episodes. 2002's Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. And your hosts, as usual. I'm Abe Epperson. I'm Michael Swaim. Joining us, the delightful... Katie Willard. Thank you so much for being yeah. here, Katie. Thank you for having me and calling me delightful. Absolutely. And you, I believe, picked this movie... I did. ...off of a list of potentials. Can you tell us a little bit about your history with this film? <laughs> uh, I think the first time I saw it was with my mom. Like, it's one of those uh, movies that... I think we just saw in theaters and then just anytime it's on uh, like HBO or Showtime or whatever, Gotta like we'll just it. watch it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I cry every time I've seen it probably like eight, nine times. And like every time I can't, I don't know. It's a very cathartic movie for me and mm-hmm. a good way to like access if I'm, if I'm harboring emotion about like something at all it's a good film to like connect with my heart specifically mother-daughter relationship stuff or any stuff Uh, just honestly any stuff like if i'm repressing sadness or anger or frustration or feeling resentment or like Mm -hmm. whatever and i'm trying to like tamp it it's a good movie it's a good movie to watch to be able to just like feel feelings right and allow yourself to release them at least for me it's one of no no it sounds we have i have we just did the podcast on october sky and that's that movie for me so i totally know what you mean yeah yeah and it's they're both like the parent child relationship is in the spotlight redemption and hope and it's just all the and stellar casting in both cases. In oh, this yeah. one, we got Ellen Burstyn as Vivi, Shirley Knight as Nisi, Fiona LaFlanagan, who I I recognize, but I didn't know her name as Teensy, and Maggie Smith as Eliza. I, I mean Ma- Maggie Smith. Maggie always. Smith is the be- I quote big kiss all the time. When <laughs> they're she's all on the with, phone. that's as she hangs up on someone. Yeah, big, big kiss. kiss. They're Mwah. all fantastic. I think Teensy gets. Is my favorite. Get in the of, car and go home. She fucking kills it. <laughs> Just kills it. I will kick your ass into next Thursday. Now get and in it, the car. No, get in the uh, car. It has that magical effect that any movie set in Louisiana has where the accents are just probably were really fun to perform and elevate everything where you're just like, all oh, this dialogue is like smooth honey <laughs> in my ears. Surprisingly, the best Louisiana accent in this movie to me is the Brit. I thought Maggie. you were going to say yeah. Connor. Yeah. The, I, I'm like, that's <laughs> he's Irish, dude. Wait, wait. Maggie Smith Maggie is. Smith. Yeah, Your yeah. phone etiquette sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I just... Also, I love... the One of the reasons I really love this film is that you get to see four old ladies be multi-dimensional oh, yeah. across the board. Like, each of them is so different and... and I don't know, like that, I don't, at least up until that point, I don't think I had seen a film where there were like Mm -hmm. that, everybody was interesting and not just an old lady and like they had, yeah. Differentiable elderly women. I fucking love, do you know know the name of the production company? Mm -hmm. All all girl. All girl productions. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
so they knew what they were doing. By Gaylord Films as well. I don't and think I we're think, supposed um, to read into that, though. Something I was telling Swaim is that this is the first time I had seen this movie. It's mm-hmm. not a movie I typically watch, but uh, I'm glad I watched it because I, I was undervaluing it in terms of like what I thought it was mm-hmm. about. And I think, uh, how do you say her name? Carrie Curry? The director? Carrie, Callie Curry. Callie Curry. Callie. She, who also Callie. wrote and produced Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And directed Mad Money, she's, which is underrated. She's like as good as like a Ron Howard. Because this movie, the reason yeah. I thought of Ron Howard is that this movie is as good, if not better, than like a Force Gump. It has that vibe to me because right. it's like telling tales through time. I was going right. to say heavy flashbacks. Exactly. So not only elderly women, but mm-hmm. we also see like young women. At least one right. woman in the midst of her life, Sandy B, right. repre- holding down that so good. age so bracket. Good. And she steals the movie for me. Ashley well, Judd steals the movie. Yeah. Uh, the, I. Oh, as young Vivian? Yeah. yeah. So okay. good. That is, I'm a, I think. I'm always a Sandy B man. Like what you were talking about, <laughs> though, about how I think a lot of times people are like, oh, chick flicks and just like completely right. write it off as right. just like basic like cry fodder or whatever but like for me this movie is about like so well explores the thought of like we are products of the environment in which we grew up in but Mm -hmm. our parents are the product of the environment in which they grew up in and being able to like see your parents as human beings and not infallible things and about the cycle of alcoholism and mental illness and abuse and understanding like and I think the important thing happens at the very end of the movie where Ellen Burson goes like, I don't expect my children to forgive me for what I did. And she, she really says, honestly doesn't. Or yeah. God. Yeah. And do you know what I mean she about like how like... hit them with belts. A belt. Yeah. But like, it's not saying like, oh, forgive your abuser. But it's right. just saying be willing to understand that like there's a, a multitude of things that go into why we do things, why we do things right. the way we do what happens. And, like, you see her parents, like, her crazy-ass Catholic mom and her dad who just, like, treated her mom like shit. And it just is, like, such a toxic... Let's elucidate that scene because I think it's one of the linchpin scenes. But uh, I also just want to real quick say, yes, I totally felt... The moment I knew when, oh, this movie is not going to be what... Like you just like a Nancy be, Myers right. like safe ride through the thing is when she smashes the phone. That joke's so funny. Yeah. Uh, when she's like, don't oh, yeah. give the mo- my mom's on the line. Don't give me the phone. She's going to scream at me. And he's like, she's saying really like nice things in a nice voice. <laughs> and she's like, all right, give me the phone. And she just screams and smashes <laughs> the phone. And you realize that it's a movie about like a legitimate, a woman with legitimate problems. Right. Not like. Should I marry the architect Steve Martin or like the other guy? It's it's a lot deeper than yeah. that. And I think one of the key scenes that elucidates Vivian's experience, like you said, is the ring that we follow throughout the movie in several different ways. Her dad, he's such a weird dad. Yeah. You and got you go like the, what the fuck? Like what was the actual Right relationship or Well see that's the thing is I think she, I don't think I don't think he molested her. No, no, no. But it is like what is that weird the thing of like the father daughter father presenting their daughters or like virginity ceremony like all the right. shit that happens yeah, today but like that sort like, of thing of like now you are a beautiful young woman, woman and yeah. you're like oh like what is this thank right? you daddy yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah so it's uh 
Yeah, he gives her a ring, which her super, basically the mom from Carrie, mom. Yes, <laughs> um, yes. Is <laughs> like, well, you must be having sex with your dad or why would he give you a right, nice ring? Right, it's a ring? mortal sin. And uh, basically just assumes that she is and blames her, which is doubly fucked up. <laughs> and then the dad comes in and you're like, oh, great, the dad's going to resolve this situation. But he, like, raises his hand to the mom and humiliates her and makes her, like, abject herself to the kids. Oh. It's just, even the parent who's trying to defend you is also a really bad parent. Really fucked up. Well, yeah. he, treats his horse, he treats his horses better than he treats his wife, is, is what one of them yeah. said about... about also, the writing in this is pretty damn good. The, my favorite quote is Willetta. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says... Shep tell Chaney everything. Chaney tell me everything. And I don't tell nobody nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to tell you something right now. Sooner or later, later, everybody's bill comes due. Let the child feel the way she feel. Ain't nothing else to do. No other choice. Which is the point of the movie. But I love, because they get a comedic undercut on that. It's her telling Vivi, like, eventually... You can't just prevent Sandra Bullock from processing her feelings for you. It has to come eventually. And it just ends with Vivi going, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, well, that's going to (laughs) suck. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it should suck. Uh, There's also just such an interesting moment. I do feel like in those scenes with Willetta, in the past scenes, they do border on like the magical... Negro archetype a yeah. little bit. I don't think it borders. Which, we need to talk about okay. this. Okay, well, it does. It happens. It's, yeah. um, it's a li- it's uncomfortable. That part of it is uncomfortable for it's me. Beggar Vance. But I did. I do have to say that I really enjoy the scene where she comes, where Vivi comes downstairs when they're staying at the cousin's house. The race, the you know, the the in Georgia junior with the Confederate flag on his hat. hat. Right, and she's like, "Can you make me some hot chocolate?" And she's like, "Go fucking make it yourself." She's yeah. like weeping. She's like, "Oh, do you miss my mom and my grandma?" And she's like, "No, I miss my own family. Like, yeah. fu- like go yeah. away." And then and the let line me- is, which is actually a great joke, die like writing wise. She goes because she wants to cheer her up. Right. Well, how about some hot chocolate? Would you like to make, make me, me some? some? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, like, go make it go yourself. Go make your own damn hot chocolate. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what got me is I do think it's wildly problematic and mm-hmm. has to be taken into account. Right. Specifically that this is our save the cat scene for the young women. Right. It's like the time to show that even though at that time it's only like the mid 30s. Right. They already know racism is wrong. How do we know they know that? Because when their black servants seem depressed and a guy calls her the N-word at the table, they throw potatoes at him him. in a cute food fight. Flash forward to 20 years later, Willetta is still their servant. So it's like, okay, that was the extent of improving her life, I guess, was like, I stuck up for you that one time. Remember that? Right. Well, see, but that's the thing is uh, when we get to the 60s and Willetta and her son, I think, or... Or her husband. I think it's her husband. I thought, like, they in don't... In the end shot, he has old gray hair, old man gray hair makeup. So they are... I don't think they work for the... Like, I don't think they work for Vivi. I Anymore. think they work for Vivi's family, but I think they're, like, close, and they just are close. Like, they live close, and whatever. I don't think it's still a, uh, like... It's... A ser- like, a servant relationship. My issue is I don't know. Not I can't with the idea of... 
employment. Although I still think it's weird that every party scene is like everyone attending the party is white and everyone serving food or playing music music is is black. black. And you live in Louisiana. So like if you wanted to have black friends, they're around. Um, But I think my main problem is with the screenwriter thinking this cute food fight scene is enough. Well, that sidesteps the racism issue because it's true that that's not the point of the movie and they don't want to focus on it. But I'm like, I guess that's enough to sidestep talking about race. But right. uh, it was just kind of a cute food fight scene. But let's right. get back to what we like about the movie because I, that, that part is rough. Yeah. I really liked Bullock in this. Um, I, there's something that's really cool about... Uh, is it Sitta? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's Sitta. Sitta Lee. Uh, Sandra she Bullock. She slides into generic American accent and Louisiana accent. Like seamlessly. I didn't notice her ever do Louisiana accent. There's, she, it's like when she talks to her mom, it, and get, it's she starts much, getting angry. It, yeah, it's much more apparent when she's back there, which I kind of dig because it's like, oh, if she's like this highfalutin playwright in New York, she's gonna she's gonna pull a Stephen she, Colbert and yep. tamp her accent, yeah, so that people will take her more seriously and not think of her as some sort of like right. backwards. What what does uh, Maggie Smith say? She's like think of a bunch of backwards rednecks Hill, or whatever. Hillbillies or Redneck, something. Redneck, yeah. yeah. Um, and then when she gets angry and when she's with everybody, her accent comes back. Yeah. Well, I think if you don't want to be considered a backwards hillbilly, you can't call yourselves Princess Naked as a Jaybird, Duchess <laughs> Soaring Hawk, and say... We raise our voices in the words of Mumbo Gumbo. We are the Indian people, the moon people. Like, all rough. They're wearing right. headdresses. Very appropriative. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, but it's a bunch of children in the it's 30s. 30s. It's so 37. I, I buy think. that it's reflective <clears throat> of reality, but the screenwriter did not have to make the Chiron many, many moons later. Yeah, that's, that's, that's like, not great. Moons. I didn't even, I forgot about that. It's like having a scene where everyone's eating burritos, so it says, por la mañana, and you fade to the next day. It's like, that was weirdly, yeah, you didn't why? have to go why? into Spanish. Yeah. Um, I, what I love so much is just how, like, in the beginning when Sandra Bullock is in being interviewed, and she's just so fucking sure of her idea of her mother, and just so, like, you know, that sort of thing of, like, well, I know... Obviously, she had this charmed life and bloody, bloody, you know what I mean? And, like, kind of just, like, making so many assumptions, you know? And, like, when she left us, this is why and this is how she felt. It's just because she wanted to be famous. But it gets so complex because there's that great... By the way, Vivi, did did either of you think... She's Don Draper. She's female Don Draper. Like, (laughs) he does that exact maneuver... Uh, in Act Three, where she abandons her family, drives to the coast, and just lives in a hotel for a for while, a and like That's tries to true. be a new person. Um, the only difference is she can't she fully calls, cut ties, and she yeah. goes back, which lets you know that she did love her daughter. Right. But obviously, uh, oh, so I was going to say during that period, she goes to a confessional and says all the things that Sandra Bullock already knows about her. But so I like that they weren't saying those negative things about her personality to aren't true. true. They're both true. Mm-hmm. She also was a good mother when she was a good mother. But she says to the priest, like, Harmful I just, I don't want to have mother. my kids. I wish God would take them away and I make me famous. famous. Yeah. 
just rough. And she also damns Shep into a loveless marriage. See, here's the thing, though. I love Shep. About James Garner in this mm-hmm. movie yeah. is that what I what I loved about that character is <clears throat> like he it shows the the power of choice in a relationship because he he had every right to leave. Right. He did. Right. He really did. Right. But he understood her and I think he it's not per like that's the thing also that I really appreciated is that it's so not perfect, but they still love like sometimes your your mental you know, your mental illness or your shit gets in the way of being able to express that. But you know like he didn't have to stay. He didn't and have in, to stay. You know? And I think and he has the confidence in his own identity to have stayed without resenting her or thinking she's making him stay. That's the whole reveal when, well, he says, when I said for better or worse, I knew it was a coin toss, which is a great line. But I think it's also about, like you're saying, she says, but didn't I ruin your life? Because like, you've been with me for 25 years and I'm difficult a lot. And he's like, yeah, but I woke up every day and decided to stay here. That's not your responsibility. In a way, they have the same sin uh, because... The only difference is that Jack died, but there's her some... ex-husband who becomes romanticized in her mind, right? Yeah. And or her fiance, fiance who died in the war, yeah. Mm-hmm. But whatever keeps her from loving Shep in the same way that she loved Jack is the same reason why he loves her and he can't leave. If that makes sense, like they both have a someone who they're like, this is the best human. I need to be with this human, right? I also feel like he accepted that he probably wasn't her. He knows. He knows, right? And he accepted that, which I think is like, I don't know. Like, I I respect, like, he's just like, you loved this man probably more than you loved me. Love me. Yeah. But you still love, like, I don't know. It's. I like it because it's not clean. It's very messy. I also don't know how you can quantify love. Can't she love him in a different way for different quality? Yeah. Like how does, but yeah. she goes out of her way to be like, I wish he hadn't died. I wish I was married to him when she's in a bad way. Right. When she's, I, they also make the point of like, it's a heavily uh, flashbacky movie where you see something, you smell something, it right. triggers a memory. And I love how they have just as many memories where Sandra Bullock's trying to be mad and then, like, someone <laughs> mentions the birthday song, or I forget what triggers it, and she remembers a cute movie. thing her mom did on her birthday every year, and she wasn't trying to remember that, but she's like, damn it, she was also a good mom sometimes. Right. What am I supposed to think? Yeah. Well, I think uh, Vivi says it at near the end of the film, all the... All the real long-term damage I did to myself. myself. And I think that there line could be to say, we all do that. Yeah, yeah that's that true of everyone. Self-annihilation. And the, th- the other thing, though, is how every generation we can get a little bit better, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the, the thing of, uh, and one of the things that I loved is when the, everybody was sitting with Sandra Bullock, in, in the end, telling her pretty much the final piece of what had happened when she was committed, when Vivi was committed, um, when they were like, we're really sorry that we didn't talk to you because at the time you don't mess with other people's kids. Which was my ask. first thought. Dude, you are like, 
where were these well-meaning fucking friends when they were kids but it's when it tr- happened? But it's yeah. the truth, right? You didn't, you kept your nose in your own business and you didn't mess with other people's families and you just tried to support them how you could, right? And that was the thing that you always saw. They were always together. The gaggle of all the children, right? Always like they were drinking all, to excess, which I think is a choice. Right. I mean, like, but like... Of the filmmakers. But they were always there, right? Like, obviously they were in each other's lives, but there was like a line that you didn't overstep. Right. Which I thought was really interesting. The other thing, I want to ask you guys what you thought. When they're talking about Teensy when Jack dies and you flash back and see the day that they find out and you see the French, the mother, like you killed, you killed my, like, you yeah, she toasted like champagne falls on the to ground. my, yeah. Yeah. But then, because um, the dad was proud to see him go to war, yeah, and wanted so him you, to do you it. toasted to our son's death, yeah. And Teensy leaves in the present day, and they they're talking, and then um, Maggie Smith says, and then the fine fine French lady took her leave. Did she kill herself? Did yeah, the mom kill herself? Okay, that's, that's what I thought, yeah. but I just I couldn't find it anywhere. I assume that's what she meant because then Sandra Bullock goes like, ah, Jesus, <laughs> like she says something to that effect. I think, yeah, but all she says is, and then a few later, years later, the fine French lady, lady took her leave. leave. Right. I assume I just that's wanted suicide. to like, run that by other people because that was what I thought, but yeah. I didn't know for sure. No, I think that because that's, that's the movie is that. not shying away from any of these real life struggles, which right. is what makes it so great and elevates it. Um, and it's phrased like that because that's kind of the southern charm: is take your leave to mean you murdered right. yourself. Yeah, even if it was violent, right. you know, like you take your leave. It's just that charm school kind of way of speaking this movie resonated with me really strongly with two kurt vonnegut books which is high praise for me (laughs) um because a uh i want to make sure i'm not misquoting the book dead eye dick is the one where it has the exact arc where a family cheers to their son going to war and it immediately cuts to the body bag coming home and them feeling weird about how celebratory they were and then also Hocus Pocus, which is a really underrated Vonnegut book, has a long section which was based on something that really happened in his life about this period in American history where crooked, shitty doctors were allowed to sell opioids, basically, totally unfettered and no one thought anything was wrong with them and for any cause. Like, housewives would come in and be like... I'm a little blue today. And they'd be like, buy this speed. Here's meth. Because it has a high uh, profit margin for us. And that was literally the only reason why. And Vonnegut, God, he so brutally hates in Hocus Pocus this doctor that like leads this woman to kill herself. And his own mother was addicted to meth, essentially, that was provided at the drugstore and then killed herself by drinking Drano. And he's like, I blame the fucking meth. Like there was a period in America where, and it's kind of coming back now, Everyone was just on government meth. Right. And, uh, and booze. But I just think yeah. of madmen with the shots, the amphetamine mm-hmm. in the ass. Like the guy yeah. comes by, oh, it's like vitamin shots. And like everybody in the office gets a shot of speed in their ass. Know, and like that's goes not vitamins, insane. dude. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that, Mother's little helper, yeah. That is the other thing that I really appreciate about this movie is how women were expected uh, like there's a there was a certain thing expected of women that they wanted to be mothers that they wanted to, to you know every mother would want to put her family first and like the mm-hmm. the priest and confessional was and like a private life you know cross you know br- uh carry your cross and i think that's in why silent, in yeah. silence right? right sorry to interrupt but just i i just Real quick, want to say, I think that's why she ultimately leaves. Like, versus, I think she went to church to see if the priest could convince her not to abandon her family. 
And religion's answer is so facilely stupid. Right. Like he literally just tells her, oh, well, try not to think about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like just that's to put she's it like, out well, of your mind. That's why she's like, well, fuck it then. I'll abandon my family. <laughs> but then the thing of like, so not just all of that pressure, right? But mm. then you have a woman with ambition um, and she's mentally ill and and unmedicated to the point where then they medicate her with drugs that are unregulated and like to to fully see the breakdown to see what goes from just like resentment at situation to uh like manic episode to drug fueled like delirium like beating your kids in the rain with a belt screaming that they need to be cleansed for god which obviously like she's channeling her mother in that moment right like her some crazy abusive thing that happened with her mother I think is reliving right. itself in her, yeah. But to be able to see each of those things and they're nuanced and it's not just like, oh, she's a crazy fucking person. It's like, oh, she was mentally ill, was untreated, also probably an alcoholic. I mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, there's just all of that. And then sometimes she, she was nice, sometimes she was mean, right? And you you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I just, and, it, <clears throat> and it all made sense. To, I could see why. And mm-hmm. that's why I appreciate it because it's like we're not nobody's a hundred percent bad or a hundred percent good. We're all varying shades of, you know, and nice, I think, yeah. mean, evil. You know, like we just we're all kind of in that gray area, and that's what I do appreciate about the movie is you see that she's capable of love and of nice of being loving her children and being good to them and sweet and being thoughtful. Like the plain thing is my fucking fate when she goes outsmarts the gas station guy to get money from the lady to go get like have her be able to ride in the plane because that's all she wants which is an object lesson where she says never ever give up if you want something yeah which is great which Uh, is amazing because you mentioned the confession scene after the confession scene there's a shot that this is why i think like ashley judd steals the movie is it's just a shot of her looking in the the mirror. mirror And you just can't hold on that even like it holds forever, but you can't hold on it. Any, like I wish it would would have held longer. Yeah, Yeah. because she's just Ashley Judd is killing it, and you realize because I thought she was just a villain Mm -hmm. up to that point, and I was like, oh no, she's a sympathetic villain. You know, right? But you see it in her eyes. She's a damaged person inflicting damage as well. Yeah, right. But you see her dis like that, and I I've had this experience of looking at yourself in a mirror and being like, I don't know in here in my brain, I don't know who that person is. Like, how did this? How did I get to this? How did I get here? Yeah. And watching her like take herself in and be like, okay, this is not, this is who I am, but it's not who I am. Like. She went through the whole range of, like, how did I become this? Mm. And she kind of does that later in life, too. Like, she still doesn't truly change until the very end. Because, like, uh, she has that one scene where she makes Shep, like, lock her out. And she's so surprised. Because she's like, I made this grand gesture with fireworks. And then when Shep's just like, that ain't working on me. Not tonight. Oh, that wasn't what I read at all for that. Oh, yeah? I honestly, for me, it was that she was praying to God, and the only way she knows how to do it is, like, in this big, like, she's sparkler's a crazy, gesture, you know? She's this old 
Southern white lady who has appropriated a bunch of Native she's American like and pagan the, traditions. You know, but she's like, in I don't there. think she knew Shep was watching her right. personally. Th- me oh. neither. And what had happened was, is they they slept in two different bedrooms for so long. Her door was always locked. Like he went to go try it when she's in there reading the Time magazine right. and having a drink. Right. And I don't think he was like being mean. I think he was just like, oh, this is my door's well, we locked. Do now. Like so, this is what we do. And I when think it's she, a sign of how long, how far things have become so distant between them. Yeah, yeah. That she was surprised that, like, oh, he also locks his door. Oh, oh shit. it's okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then she, but then she knocked, and I love when she comes back to knock on the door, and she knocks on it so softly, mm-hmm. which is such a beautiful character moment of like, I'm gonna reach out to you, but like, I'm gonna do it as quietly, quietly as, possible, as possible. So maybe right. you don't. Maybe I don't have to actually have this conversation with you. Right. Like that's such a great direct. Like I don't know if that was Ellen Burstyn or if that was direction, but mm-hmm. that or in the script. But that little it's a like, nice touch. Yeah. The softest ding, ding, ding. knock. Well, because that's towards her end phase, where she's undergoing her change and ex- learning humility. And I love right. James Garner barely speaks in the movie. <laughs> But I think one of his best interchanges is with Sandra on the beach when they just kind of do a cute dad-daughter banter. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, well, I'm not going to help you because I barely <laughs> exist in this movie. You'll have to deal with it. But in there, uh, he's, she says, you know, like, you were there too as dad. How do you feel about your responsibility for like, you know, our childhood sucked. And he's like, well, we tried and we were not as equipped as we had hoped we would be to be good, all that we wanted to be as parents. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. She says, how about the road back? What's that paved with? Humility. And I love that because I'm a big humility is the old cardinal virtue guy. Right. All other virtues spring from that. In that scene, this is a question for both of you guys. He's about to, Shep is about to say something to her. And then he stops himself and says, never mind. Yeah, I, what I was, was he gonna say? Great screenwriting, though. I like the omission, but I don't know exactly what he was gonna Me say. Me neither. And I think that's what it's about. Is he's that's his complexity, or if please have your own reading. But my reading was he's has his own complexity that doesn't take up as much screen time, but it's there in the movie. He's also a dad who loves his kids and could have been a much better father if he had interceded more. But unfortunately, he's the kind of guy who just says, never mind. Right. Like, that's his failing. Right. Well, yeah, he doesn't point, intervene. But he had something. They they figured out what he was going to say. Right. I don't know what it is, obviously. Right, like James Garner knows what he's going to say. But I think it was pro- because of the context of what they're I'm talking about. I'm a space about. cowboy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a space cowboy. Two references in one day. Um, I think he might have been saying, like, but you are like your mother a little bit. Oh. And then realizes that that will just that make it everyone. To say. Yeah. Or you know what? He could have just been like, "I'm sorry. No, you don't need me to apologize." Like it could have been an apology, and it's like, you know what? You don't. An also apology true. is not sure. gonna help. Help yeah. because I did. We can't change what happened, and like, but I love that. Like, were you loved enough, Daddy? I don't know. Were you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, See, well, I like his answer. It's kind of a dialogue hole because. She says, were you loved enough? And he says, how much is enough? How, Which yeah. is my favorite possible answer. Then he says, but my question is, were you? Shouldn't she say, you just said how much is enough? That's a non-answerable right. question. He's breaking his own rules. Well, but no, I love but the I line mean, anyway. <laughs> well, what it is is that like you choose, we choose how we feel like our worth 
and it can be affected in our brains by things like how we were brought up and the love we, but ultimately I can And chemicals in your body. I think that's an important factor that Vonnegut and this both tie in. (laughs) But like that thing of what, how much is enough? And she like accepts that answer. And then it goes, you know, were you? And it's like, okay, from this point forward, I can choose how I move in the world in terms of, of loving others and accepting love. And that's like a big part of this is that she, you know, has her freak out with Connor about being married. She's like, I'm just, if I have even a little bit of what my mother had, like it's, I'm better off alone. And like, that's, that's her objective change in the well, film. Is, like that's like, yeah. she accepts the way she's got a lot of insecurity hand. about it. Although I will say that there's a lot of elements about the relationship. That's kind of, like goals, you know, because like one of my favorite things that, and I didn't, I've done this in a relationship before when it's just like, there's a reason to apologize and you call someone up and because they're ghosting you for a little bit to make you feel the pain, you have to leave a voicemail and the voicemail is just, hi, Hi. (laughs) it just hangs up and I'm just like, yeah, that shows how close they are. They're that close. They're a cute couple. I mean, everyone has different deal breakers. There were a couple things Connor did or was complicit in that I'm like, uh, I would have The fact walked. that those people co- drugged her with a roofie. Yeah, roofied her and, and yeah. put her on a Except plane. For and the, said, she's okay. like, how could you let that happen? And he's like, well, they're very forceful and charming. And I'm like, that's not a good enough no. answer. How did you let me get drugged and kidnapped by elderly women? Well, you know what? <laughs> I thought to they failed be before he... Got there. That's what he was like. They tricked me and blah, like blah, I blah. didn't what know I think, that you were kidnapped. Here's what I think is I think that like he didn't know that they how they did it. He yeah. just yeah. they just called and were like we're taking Sita. She needs to like fi- figure things out with her mom. And he's like okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Like I don't think he probably he knew, knew that they what that they her. her. Yeah. But then he is down with the plan, so he's complicit because before she calls the wedding off, she calls him and is like, okay, they got me here. Can you? I'm coming back now. And he's like, no, I think you should stay. You got to work through this shit. I, I think he could That's still true. not have known that they roofied. That's they, true. They, you know what I mean? I'm like, just saying if he was worried about her freaking out, he brought it on himself because he urged yeah. her to process all this trauma. Right. And then he's surprised. She freaks out a little bit. Come on, Connor. <laughs> but I do like that of like he started asking after the first year and I always said, no, like, isn't that weird? Like, she's like, I don't. He's a good, like, we're good together. But I always liked that he was like, okay, well, I'm going to let you Mm -hmm. deal with this on your own timeline. Right. I'm still going to be here. And then finally, you know, like, I I really appreciated that about him. And the fact that he was like, I think he knew if you don't work through this, Mm -hmm. like, I want to be with you. But if you don't work through this, this isn't good. This is not going to work. Like, we can't do this forever. That's why I want you to. Squash stay. the beef. That's yeah. why I want you to stay and, and Figure face whatever's happening. Mm, squash beef. Squash beef. Squashing the beef. I think that is a really important central point about choice. Because it always blows my mind to meditate on in a relationship. Like anyone who's together for 50 years, there's going to be moments you could cut to where you're like, these people cannot be together. They damage each other or trigger each other in a way that's not healthy. And there's going to be great moments you could cut to. So if you celebrate your 75th wedding anniversary or whatever and then die in each other's arms, you would choose to look back on all the bad times as proof of what a great couple you are because you survived these horrible times. 
And if you break up, it's so human to naturally assume those were all the red flags that let me know that wasn't my soulmate. And one day as I was growing up, I realized those are the same events either way. A relationship is just a function of choosing to stay another day or not. Staying together and breaking up. One is not positive or negative. Do you know what I mean? Like they're just, Mm -hmm. it's just choosing another, like in a, in a world of infinite possibilities, it's choosing another pathway. More things are going to happen to you. Like people think if a relationship ended after four years, they're like, man, what a failure. I still haven't found my soulmate. What if you learned and grew in those four years with that person? Right. What's the fucking... I don't, yeah. So this really hammered that home to me. Have, you, has, have either of you read uh, Freedom by Jonathan Franzen? I have not, no. No. It's, it was like not as critically acclaimed as his famous, famous one. I forget the name of briefly. Someone in the internet will yell yeah. at me. Um, Is but, it Lies? No, it's another one. It's uh, The Corrections. The Corrections. Um, friend zone. And, uh, but his follow-up freedom, everyone said like the ending felt tacked on or mm-hmm. too happy or not believable because this, it's this story of the most dysfunctional, fucked up, mentally ill family right. that's ever been assembled, like lots of books are. And, then, and the husband and wife are estranged for years and there's reasons they shouldn't be together. And then at the end of their lives and their autumn years, in the last chapter... The spoiler alert for the giant novel <laughs> Freedom. Uh, the husband just comes to where she's living and is like, "Can we just decide to be together again and like have the last twelve years of our lives be yeah. a happy marriage?" And they do, and it works fine. And everyone's like, "That would never happen." It's I'm like, like, "Who are we to that say?" That kind of shit happens Who? all the time. Yeah. Who are we to say? Because everybody's <clears throat> in different phases of their lives when they intersect with each other, right? You, people might need to go away and have some experiences to be able to come back. Or you're just like, you are fucking not good for me, but you bring me comfort more often than not. And in my Mm. autumn years, I want that comfort. I want to be with. Right. That is like, yeah, it is. It is the power of choice. Obviously, like if you're in danger, if you are, you know, being abused, like do what you can to get out of that. You're saying that we're not saying everyone listening to this, stay with it. (laughs) But there's like, you know, if you're with somebody and something there's infidelity you choose to say you choose not one is not better or like more virtuous than the other do you, they're both like, valid options yes. based on the type of person you are and, and what the, the situation and is that yeah. your partner is and how you choose to move forward like i think removing the judgment of like what one event means to a whole life mm-hmm like that's the only way we can live and enjoy ourselves because there's going to be bad shit that happens and there's yeah. like things that make you sad, angry, things And that we make don't you all happy. get a secret yearbook that explains everything perfectly. Wouldn't <laughs> that, that be nice? Wouldn't that it? be nice? No, like if, if you had like a strained relationship with your dad, he just like slides you a book and you flip through it and you're like, oh, I totally get you now. Yeah. Like, right. I would kill for that. Oh, these are your <laughs> memoirs. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah. Right. But uh, they're more than memoirs. They're magical flashbacks that make your heart open. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, two different things, just about the movie part of the movie. Meaning, <laughs> What have we been talking about? No, well, I mean, not like the... Like the physical the, production. The physical making, sure. Yeah, because right. I, I thought that this, this movie is pretty mundane in terms of cinematography we call it transparent when we're trying to be nice right <laughs> uh but it's just like conversations yeah, right. um but um 
there's one thing that I wanted to point out that I was like, oh, that's a nice touch. That's a nice summer That's a nice touch. That's a spicy scene work. There are three times in this film where Vivi's glass of ice and vodka, I assume, audibly clinks. And once when Sita notices over the phone at the beginning, she even says it. Like, I heard the glass, I heard the ice. Uh, clinking clink. in the glass. Once, in the beginning, well, she reminds me a lot of Jessica Walter. She has a lot of those lines. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. The second time is uh, when she doesn't let Shep in, in her room. Yeah, the door's locked and she's reading the time. And magazine. she's rereading the time article. And once last time when she can't deal with all the kids. <gasps> that scene every time. Oh, She's just like, I don't want to. Well, you said there were four or three. No, there's there three. three. Okay. And when and she s- gives Sita the glass because she thinks it's water. That's the scene, right, where so, she, she gives Sita water, but it's vodka. vodka. <laughs> yeah. So each time she wrongs that other person near her or isn't listening to someone saying that she's wronged them. Right. I thought it was right. an interesting thing to make that point. You know, point with a vodka glass. Yeah. I just, that scene is so. I've been the kid in that scene. That My brother and I both got sick, sick at the same time and like shit the bed while vomiting on our mom's legs to the point where she started going, ah, I hate this. Yeah, like, Jesus, God. But uh, that like being like, where is Shep? Where is your father? Like, yeah. and she's alone. Yeah. And she's got like. Yep. Ah. That yeah, that scene for me is like my biggest fear when I am eventually a parent. Mm-hmm. It's just like not being equipped to deal with certain like things. Physically, I cannot be a good parent just right now. Shut Shit. down. Right. But I still know that like by doing this, my children are now suffering. Right. The singular event idea you reference, I just love that if you put yourself in the mind of Vivi. In a long life of pain and like trying to rally, trying to be a good mom, sometimes failing, dealing with your own mom, it's the worst thing that happened, but it's just a, it's in there. It's like part of her whole tapestry. As the kid, that is the single unforgettable moment. Mom beat us with a belt one time. Like I know maybe in the 30s it was more normalized, but if your parents never hit you, but one time they dragged you in the yard and right. beat you with a belt, it that could forever make you unable to understand them. So I did like how for once it's a believable singular event. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, Sandra's reticence is totally believable because she's like, does that mean I could flip out and beat my kids someday? Because my mom usually seemed like she would never do that. And then one time she did. Well, that's like the softness of when she's being told that story of like, it's, we're not trying to take away the fact that she was violent to you and your brother and your sister. We just want to give you some information as to why, right? Because up until that point, she thought it was, she said, I spent thousands of dollars on therapy thinking it was something I did wrong. And you, they, you get to see that for her as a child, how she's processing it when she calls her mom or writes a letter. I can't remember what it is at. Well, her mom is committed involuntarily committed and she's like we're being really good like please right. come. we miss you we love you we're being really good we promise i got him to stop because you know as children we don't know any better we don't know that our parents are humans and that thing we don't know this reality i think one of the many questionable parenting choices she made along her journey is when she gets home from that 
she didn't feel comfortable enough to sit them down and be like, mommy's brain sometimes, you know, like she never went through it with them or told them why she just like hoped it would go away. Well, I think that that's like a, like honestly as a, I come from a family where like shit went down and just nobody talks. Like we just don't talk about it. But that bill's gonna come due, child. Yes. Yes, obviously. But like I understand her thought of like, I'm just not, I mean they say you're, she went dist, she became distant because she didn't trust herself around you anymore. And I think she probably just felt like I could apologize, but I can't guarantee that that's not going to happen again. You know, she doesn't trust that she's not going to, you know, like, and they don't have the tools to be able to communicate exactly what's yeah. happening. And that's or not what you did. Or she became so you know? self-loathing over it that she feels like, I, already I agree with them. Right. I severed the mother-child relationship and I agree with them. I'm an unfit mother. I'll just stay away from that. Right. Um, but then you see them flying in a biplane and you're like, no, love <laughs> your kids. That's the only scene with notably shitty green screen effects. Oh my God, yeah, the wind, the that has fan. Ever, that has ever made me sob like a baby. Because usually if the effects are not all there and the you, score isn't striking perfectly, yeah. But there's just no stopping the feels. The feels are like a freight train of feels. See, for me, it was uh, Sky Captain on the World Tomorrow. I cried that whole Jeez. film. <laughs> I not, cried. Not because it was emotional. I was just like, why? This why is did so this happen? Bad. This happened. So wait, you said that there are four moments that you cried. That you wrote yeah, them down. One of them I was did. in the plane. That's right. Uh, okay, scrolling. I'm just scanning my notes for the phrase, I cried so hard, because that's my <laughs> thing I write. Vivi uh, goes into... Oh, okay. When Vivi goes into Shep's bedroom, but the door is locked, I cried. And I then wrote in my notes, that was the first time I cried in the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is that because it's the first time we're invited to empathize with the male's point of view? And then I wrote like, problematic thoughts <laughs> tell therapists right <laughs> that's funny uh, what i liked about that though is that she she accepted it right she wasn't like yeah oh like fuck you like it didn't she was just like no that's about that's fair that's fair yeah do so, you know which like is, very like okay i accept is, that you feel this way about yeah. me and i respect your <clears throat> your opinion of me and our oh, relationship currently which is a uh, wonderful because it start at the movie this starts with her yet literally yelling, this is violently unfair. <laughs> cried despite shitty green screen. Okay, that's the plane. Cried when you're supposed to cry when they, the you end. know. Uh, okay, I cried when they speak on the porch. That scene. That scene. And then I, so well acted by both of yes. them. Yes. Yeah. And then like, I had just enough time to like spool my tears together and wipe snot away. And then they immediately induct her into the Yaya sisterhood. And I'm like, I shouldn't have tried to stop crying. I should have just powered through and cried the whole time till credits. I, See, I, just, I, know, I love you, mama. I love you too, sunflower. Yeah. Fuck. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the sisterhood is around witnessing that, Oh, this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's right before the ritual where they're like, we did it. Yeah. Our kidnap crime worked. Um, to me, it's good the that movie, we kidnapped that I, woman. <laughs> I know that even they had to finish the ritual because like, that's a great thing. Right. But to me, the best ending in this movie is after Maggie Smith says, uh, old wounds heal, pal. 
I just mm. thought that that was. She's just an old soldier, basically. Yeah. yeah. My favorite line. She's like she, the only the only disease that can survive our bloodstream is alcoholism. Is one right, of my yeah. favorite lines because they're when they're cutting their hands and doing. I the also also she's like I have a lot of questions. At one point, she's like, "That's fine. I got a full tank," and she takes a hit <laughs> off her oxygen <laughs> tank. Yeah. Which, I, by the way, once again, because I said her at the top of this podcast that I think Teensy is my favorite because. After, I mean, all the reasons at the car thing where mm-hmm. she's just a fucking badass. Right. But then also it, a little bit later cuts to Maggie Smith carrying up their hiking and like carrying up <laughs> she's her like power and walking. she's and she's smoking. <laughs> so it's like, well, those are that's just two different. The other one I love, too, is I can't. Why can't I remember the 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 fourth there's Teensy, there's Vivian, yep. there's Carol, who's, who's who's Maggie Smith, and there's who the, I can't remember the Eliza. character of the fourth. No, that's Maggie Smith. Niecy. Niecy. I love Niecy. Shirley Knight. She's yeah. just so like of the three parts, like the three personalities of the best friends. Like I love her because she's just like she seemed to get out of things pretty oak. Like of yeah, like you saw her life post this period fairly plat like she just is like very sweet and not like she's the soren of the group where you're like and what trauma are you living through and she's like uh, i didn't want to say anything but my life's been going pretty, pretty normal yeah. Yeah. well i love when she goes uh teensy doing the triple a which is like my favorite line because teensy is a recovering alcoholic yeah. right. like she didn't drink anymore join the triple right. a she joined the triple a i just oh yep. yep and that thing though about like that i think it really captured well is those female, those female friendships, I, like, I have people, I have women like that in my life who, like, show up when it's fucking rough. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Like, my, I was t- talking about this today just with everything that's with Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade. And mm. That April 20-something, just, like, sometime at the end of April, I wanted to kill myself, and I texted my friend Celia, and she, she said, I'm coming over. And she came over and sat with me, right? Mm-hmm. And like, how important those like non, those just the the just friends, absolutely right. people clutch, who just people. you just go, yeah. they go, they they're with you, right? And they're there with you, and it's ugly, and then they're with you when it's good, and That's they're there forever. Thing to have, it's right. One unfortunate aspect of society is it tells boys that. You're not allowed to have that, right? With other dudes, as with much, other yeah. dudes, and if it's with a girl, they're like, "When are you going to try and make it romantic?" And it's like, "I, I want friends." I just too, want though. someone who will be soft <laughs> yeah, and, right. and nice to me and <laughs> yeah. let me be where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I do think it is unfortunate that there's not a movie like this for for dudes, really. But do you know what I mean? The Hangover Part 3 where they go to Bangkok, that really hit me in the old heartstring. No, I didn't see it. But no, it's it's a wonderful... Like, they... We talked about Squash and the Beef. This movie is... uh, Other than, you know, the kidnapping crime, what a masterclass in diplomacy. Like, that... That uh, That the the Yaya's pull off? Yeah. Yeah. They squash the beef with just a plum. And mm, a plum, plum. squashing, and it's beef. very beautiful. Except the New York Yankees hat, I could deal without that. Ooh, uh, but yeah, that that it's yeah. that it is that thing of like we just want to give you the facts because we were yeah. here. That, like we don't want you to have any specific reaction to this. We just know that you don't know everything, mm-hmm. and we want you to know everything because we're all far enough removed from it that 
at least they knew they were like the world's not going to end if you find this out. It's yeah. not going to get any worse than it is right and now. And it's forgive but don't forget. No one's asking you to say, "Oh, she was messed up." Okay, then it, it's not then a painful memory. Then it's that not she a beat painful me right. memory. Yeah, but that's not what they're asking. It's right. I just realized the duality is on so many levels. It's like uh, drugs. A drug that she didn't know was as powerful a drug as it was brought out the worst moment that led to this whole movie happening and drugs allows them to get Sandra Bullock there. <laughs> so it's like even That's drugs true. in this movie are both helpful and hurtful. That's Look at true. that. Everything is mixed. Everything is... But yeah, it's not about... Horrible, wonderful duality. Forgiving. It's about just being willing. It's about messiness right, right. too. Yeah. Just being it willing, is. right? Willing to hear what happened and no one's expecting anything, any specific reaction. But right. like just be willing... That's why you're here, Bebe, to know what you didn't know. Like, that <laughs> is the truth. Bebe. 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 I have a question similar to the, just like about what a line meant. When she and Shep have the end of their arc, mm-hmm. where he's like, you didn't... Is it heads or tails? ...ruin my life. And they're like, we should reconnect physically. They is fuck. This, uh, right, I know they fuck, okay. but... He's flips a coin to decide if they should fuck and she goes let's just fuck these are not the exact lines <laughs> yeah we're paraphrasing and that. he goes sure let's fuck now <laughs> and james and uh she looks at him slyly as they leave and goes heads or tails is she saying do you want a blowjob or, or to fuck <laughs> i think it's a sex. i think there's is that a euphemism for like we go on top we i go think that bottom. that's <laughs> i don't even I don't know because I do know it, it seems like the kind of cleverness of like of she took her leave. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, it's oh, like this that, is a it's southern a way of saying things saying, without actually yeah. saying things. Maybe she was just trying to be pithy and sexy and yeah. said something that was like, wait, what? Wait, I like what? the idea. Of, oh, that's even better to me. Is they're playing a sexy coin game? They're like, fuck this game. We just want to make love, and sh- that's like saying, yeah. Coins <laughs> before you get down to business, but it's it's supposed to be like so. I think that subtext it's and it's happens. cute, but yeah. I think the real point of the question is: so we, yeah, we or, or, or is, again, it okay? is, is it okay? Is it okay if we do this? Yeah. And also, again, it's the coin is always representative of chance, right? And it's saying fuck chance. You just choose what you want yep. to experience right. next. Yep. Yeah, right. And I like it too because you get to see that. We didn't get to see their happy moments in the past, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Really. But you got to see that they... Not her and Shep, no. No, no. Yeah. But you got, to, in that moment, you got to see, oh, they do have a banter. Like, there is a spark. And honestly, one of the sweetest moments that to me is when he's making her the sandwich. And she's like, they put a, get, put her on a tranquilizer. And he's trying to feed her on the floor. And he's just like, well, you know... She just needs food. She doesn't have any food in her he's stomach. And you're like, farmer. oh, yeah. you can't. You're not able you to process what's process happening with, right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah, they're right. like, no, she's have seizing from a drug reaction. And he's like, yeah, no, I'll get some water and like a yeah, sandwich in her. Yeah, just put some food in her <laughs> stomach. And you're like, Tragic. fuck. Like, but that is what we're working with there, right? Yeah. Well, like, this is a simple man who is, as they both were under-equipped to be parents, I think it's clear he's under-equipped as a match for her. Mm-hmm. She's smarter and more ambitious and more forceful. Like he said, he just like barely keeps up with mm-hmm. her. That's his only real goal. Yeah. And then he says to Sandra, and then I got too old to keep up and I just get out of her way. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which a lot of old dads do. 
and that like, I think also just be watching TV product over of there. the time, right? Like, and we can't make a judgment on those couple, like you know, like being like, well, you could have, you know, like you could have chosen better, and it's like, or maybe he just it was good and like it was, it was good, good enough, enough, and he felt lo- like. He made the decision. Let's respect the decision. Like, I don't know, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like, you could have gone to couples therapy. Well, it was 1941. <laughs> People are a product of their time and their raising, yeah. Mm. <sighs> he really was a space cowboy. Oh, my well, God. We're, we're giving our shitty rejoinders and coming up on an hour. Is there any awesome trivia before we uh, wrap Ooh. this up? Uh, I did. It's not awesome. It's just, that's strange. Um <laughs> They, the previous movie for uh, Sandra Bullock and Ashley Judd that they were in the same movie was Time to Kill, which they also had no scenes that they're both together in. in. Oh, like they keep coming back to each other. I don't know if they've ever had scene work with each other. Weird. Yeah, but they've been in multiple movies together. Huh. Very strange. I still need to read the book. I, I was funny. I had posted that I was watching this on on Instagram stories, and a friend of mine she responded. She was like, "I can't. I'd never watched the movie because the book destroyed me." I was like, "I haven't read the book," and she was like, "Well, uh, it's like you, you know." Yeah. And now I'm like, "Okay, yep. ooh, filmed in the same place at the same time as a walk to remember." Wow. A far inferior film in every way. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. But that's funny to think they might have. Cast and crew might have seen each other around town and been like, "Heads or tails? Hey, how's your movie? Great. How's yours? It's gonna suck." Yeah, <laughs> Shane West is an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> ours is, has really has feels. Yeah, so does ours. They're not earned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a real walk to forget. Oh boy. Oh boy. Well, oh boy. that's when the traveling pants come on. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're done. <laughs> yep. We yeah. rate this frame. I like great. It. Well, we don't. I think our rating is I everything said we've said up to this. We also don't reduce things down to no, the simple no, binary. No, yeah. we don't need to give it a number. But uh, speaking of numbers, the numbers on my computer tell me that we're out of time. Thanks for joining us, Katie. Thanks for having me and for watching this movie, even though oh, you probably to. had a. a prior conception of no way of i put it on the list i'd seen it many oh yeah times. that's yeah. true but he would have never thought for sure baber had no thought to see it. uh plug yourself yes uh well okay uh currently i'm on twitter <laughs> at k-a-w-i-l-l-e-r-t that's k-a willert that's all we ever plug too that's fine people always seem like they're like Am I supposed? I'm supposed to say like four or five platforms. Yeah, I got like right? a, I got like a if project, and my, I was like, I don't have my a project. Snapchat shits over on Instagram. I ported it over. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to do. This is my LinkedIn. You know? <laughs> yeah. So my Instagram is the same as my Twitter handle. Everyone hit Katie up on Twitter there. and Abe on LinkedIn. He really needs a job. Yeah. I just need. Give me the job, guys. <laughs> This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you.